What's up, everyone? It's your boy, Danny Lopriori, and welcome to Off the Cuff. You might know me as the guy from the Basement Yard, Vine, the Lopriori podcast. And while I love to make people laugh, just know that I've struggled with my mental health for most of my life, just like many of you. Here on Off the Cuff, I will be talking with some of the most impactful influencers, athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and mental health experts to have real, unapologetic conversations about mental health and breaking the stigma that surrounds it. This show is for you, and I'm so happy to have you here. Now, let's talk Off the Cuff. Welcome back to Off the Cuff. I am joined by Mr. Joe Barksdale, national champion former San Diego Charger, musician, stand-up comedian, tech reviewer, everything under the sun. Are you a cannabis enthusiast? Yeah. Cannabis enthusiast? See, I got them all. I try to get all the accolades off. But Joe, thank you for taking time coming on the, uh, the podcast with us. First question of the day is, how are you feeling? I have a feelings, Will. <laughs> Somewhere between provocative and inspired. Hey, listen, those are both two amazing things. And those are honestly, I think those are the best answers we ever got. We, we've yet to get provocative on this show, but uh, absolutely. I'll take that. So what do you what do you have over there? You have a feelings wheel feelings wheel. Yeah, I don't know where my laptop is, but I have stickers. So there's usually a sticker like this on my laptop. Oh, dope. So people are like, oh, how are you? And I'm like, I'll check right now. Yeah, I'm despondent and judgmental today, but yeah. If only I knew what despondent meant. I wish I did. <laughs> but hey, listen, man. Uh, so I got to see a lot of your stuff. I watched a couple of your interviews. I watched your uh, your Players Tribune uh, YouTube short. Uh, I watched it all. I've seen some of your music. We'll, we'll get into Black Magic as well at some point uh, during the interview. I'm really, really happy that you're here because I do really love your take on mental health. I think it's a little different than a lot of other views. And there's a brutal honesty about it that uh, we actually aim for on this show. The next question that I just wanted to ask, too, was um, what's winning a national championship like? I don't know. I was talking to my wife about that. We celebrated our anniversary a couple of uh, days ago and we were out to dinner and we were driving home and we were talking about that, like how I never felt like I actually earned that ring and how... For me, the national championship is just like something that happened as opposed to something that I achieved, helped achieve, you know? Do you have like your on and off days with it? Like some days you'll be like, I'm a national champion. And then like some days you'll have like, yeah. I'm trying as hard as I can. So, you know, that Robert Pattinson, uh, what was known for Twilight, obviously he's done the Batman. I'm trying to get to that point in my career where people just know me as Joe Barksdale, not Robert Pattinson from Twilight. Would you say that you have like a love hate with football right now, or is it just all the way out? There was never a love. Football was never my dream. When I was a STEM kid. I wanted to do, I wanted to be an engineer. I wanted to design car interiors for like one of the big three car companies. Grew up in Detroit. I got kicked out of a residential engineering camp over the summer. Needed something to do. Wanted to get in shape. That's how I started playing football in high school. But football for me was always, I mean, it was a job. It was presented to me as a job from the time I was, you know, from the first time I started playing. So that's what always what it was. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people, especially people that deal with depression too, they would look at like your situation and be like, oh, like, you know, you had all this amazing stuff like going on. You got to be a play at a, a huge college and then play in, uh, you know, the NFL for a number of years. And then people are just like, uh, you know, how could you feel sad? Oh, you get molested and abused all the years leading up to it. 
<laughs> you know, socially, physically, mentally, emotionally, you don't fit in with any of the people you work with because you're mentally ill and autistic. You want to kill yourself every day. That's how you can be sad. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think a lot of people have a very hard time understanding that it could affect everybody. In your Instagram bio, I see that it says girl dad. Have you ever like wanted a boy or you are you just down with being uh, being a girl dad? Yeah, I never wanted a boy. And that's not to say that if I have a son, I would be like, oh, what the fuck? But there are certain things that I've experienced just as a big black dude in this country that I wouldn't want to have to talk to my son about, too. Like, Dad, why does everybody assume that I play football because I can afford to eat at nice restaurants? Why does everybody think I'm a rapper because I can shop at Neiman Marcus? Why don't people think that I actually have a brain? You know, stuff like that. Why does everybody keep telling me to play football? I don't even like football. People are starting to call me gay because I don't want to play football. I don't understand. People are saying that I'm making you mad because I don't want to play football. Like, I don't want my son to go through that. I'll tell you, listen, man. You talk a lot about your brushes with suicide, your suicidal attempts. It's a very brave thing for you to talk about. I know you've probably heard that shit fucking like a hundred times, people telling you that. I do really identify with your story as somebody who's dealt with depression uh, severely almost their entire lives. You know, I had to go to a, a couple of inpatient facilities to get my mind right and make sure that I was doing okay. Do you reflect back on those moments too much now, or is it something that? you kind of leave where it was or it's something that you kind of, you know, live with every day, kind of every day. It's not going nowhere. Yeah. Like, do you have your good days with that and bad days with that? Every day is pretty much a bad day. I start like if, if you had to, you know, measure things, I wake up in the morning religiously, like, but because I know that I'm that way, I make it a priority to like go grab a protein shake and take, so not for health purposes. Well, it is for health purposes to take some medicine so it doesn't murder the interior lining of my stomach. But yeah, like, and even the medicine process is depressing because it's like, oh, here, here's this big handful of pills I got to take every day for the rest of my life. And if I don't, then I'll go into some kind of psychosis that I won't even be aware of. You know, things like that. Yeah, I got mine back there. I don't know if you could see them. I got my fucking uh, my formula back there, too. I don't know. Every little bit helps. I would say that, like, you know, the meditation helps a little bit. The therapy helps a lot. Uh, meeting with the psychiatrist, you know, trying to stay in physical shape, keeping my mind busy, those kind of things. But I think maybe that's one of the reasons why I'm able to be so transparent about it, because it's still happening. I think your versatility is obviously something that helps you combat that that daily depression. And honestly, the autism, too. Because I used to have, I mean, I, this is just me being honest. When it comes to depression, I remember when I first learned about it, because I learned, I found out about my mental illnesses before I found out about the autism, like years apart. And I remember finding out about people who were depressed that couldn't get out of bed for weeks, and, you know, those kind of things. And I'm like, how the hell can people not get out of bed when there are things to do? And it wasn't until later on that I realized the only reason I was able to get out of the bed when I was was because I was keeping up a routine from an autistic standpoint. So have you always been like routine, like very regimented? So like, since you were a kid, it was always, it was always like that. Yeah. When did you get diagnosed with autism? 30. Wow. Was that something like, again, um, you know, you've talked about the stigmas of mental health and depression, and panic disorders, and, you know, you were afraid to come forward. You wouldn't know if you'd be able to have a job or not. You didn't want people to judge you. Uh, with autism, was it kind of like a, like eureka type moment where you were like, all right, this kind of explains a lot of stuff. Or again, were you kind of 
in a sense where I feel like this is going to an- another thing I have to d- deal with that's going to be stigmatized. Half and half. Half and half. Half. I would say uh, half of me was like, you know, this is cool. This means that certain things that I used to think were just flukes are not in terms of good things and bad things, like my ability to pick up on things that I'm interested in and those kind of things. You know, um, you start talking about like autistic savant syndrome. I mean, you start talking about autistic or savant syndrome. The problem with savant syndrome is that there's like also a negative, you know, as good as you are at certain things, there are other things like reading people's faces and social situations and developing human relationships that I cannot do. I try so hard. Oh my God, I try so hard. But it does explain that though. Right. I can't put myself in other people's shoes. I can't feel other people's emotions unless it's pain. That's the one thing that I can, because it's like, you know, pain. The common uh, denominator. So, but yeah, it's it's very weird. Like there'll be times where I'll be in public and think someone's giving me like a a mean look or something. And in actuality, you know, they were actually like excited to see me and wanted to say hi and that kind of thing. I have learned to think before I speak and also just be a little bit more open to being oblivious to everything that's happening around because I don't know. <laughs> I mean, listen, sometimes it's good to be oblivious because uh, the world's a kind of a, a scary space sometimes. But uh, no, I, I can't even imagine like the difficulties of dealing with that. You know what I mean? Um, I have a nephew with autism and I, I see the, the beautiful parts of it and I see the, the struggles of it. For autism, though, at 30, did much of your life change after that? Or you kind of were just like, all right, this is just, you know, something else that I, you know, I got a diagnosis and this is what I'm, I've been dealing with. It changed a little bit. There were certain things that I tried to start doing like cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, right now I'm working on distress management therapy, obviously a bunch of research, reading books and so forth. But as far as, I mean, I would say the biggest change was that just, I knew I needed to talk about it because from the moment I found out that there were autistic people that can't speak, I know I pissed if there was some dude that was so worried about chasing his own, you know, desires and dreams that he didn't speak up for people like us. I don't see it as a as a duty. I see it as a privilege to be able to, you know, be a voice for people like me who cannot communicate as well and that kind of thing. So I just observed it as something that happened. And um, I saw the good things that could come from it as well as the bad. But if I'm being honest, like I it's weird saying this and there's bad parts to it but i love being autistic because it's the only way i know you know it's the only existence i know no that's not that's a beautiful thing with every struggle i think there is some beauty in it you know i think it's hard for people to have you know conversations about the hardest parts of their life but uh at the end of the day like you said it's that common denominator that kind of uh, pulls people together when they're dealing with uh why it's hard is everybody so judgmental? Yes. I mean, I remember even trying to come out and talk about like my mental health and stuff. And the first couple of people I told, they're like, oh, don't worry about it. I won't tell anybody else. And I'm like, no, I'm telling you to tell people like, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> now, that's another thing, too. Um, you know, obviously, like mental health is. Uh, is finally, you know, getting some of the flowers that it deserves, I, I would say. But, you know, for someone, you know, I've been struggling with depression since I was 12 and 33 now, mm-hmm. you know, it was like almost like uh, I was depressed, like before it was cool. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
I was depressed before it was cool, yo. Suicidal before it was a hashtag, ladies. Yeah, so. all right. Before you guys started tweeting about it, I was being about it. I was living it, dog. You know, and I was out here in these streets, these depressed streets. But you know what? That's why people like you are so important. Like you were just talking about this rise of awareness because you have a, you know, a voice and a unique perspective that most people don't. And you can be a well of knowledge and, you know, information for other people. I mean, I know it, it sucks. It sucks going through depression when no one cares, but it's like, where's my fucking well? You know what I mean? Because like my dad was like an old school Italian guy. Like he didn't know what sadness was. Mm-hmm. You know, I love him to death, but he would just be like, oh, you'll be, you'll be all right. I'm like, no, dad, I want to jump off of this building. But I'm sure that's probably what his dad said to him. 100%. And my dad started going to therapy 68 now. He uh going to be 69 in May. And he didn't start going to therapy till he was 60. And then he, he completely changed. You know what I mean? And God rest my grandfather's soul. Wasn't the nicest guy. You know what I mean? He, you know, the typical immigrant guy came here with like $6 in his pocket. And, you know, if there was any sign of like male, like sadness, he was like, you're, uh, you're dead to me. You're a pussy. Yeah. So my dad kind of, I always had this running joke with my dad. Like every time my friends and I would leave my apartment, I would say, yo, watch, I'm going to tell my dad I love him and he won't say it back. So we, we would leave every day and I'd be like, all right, dad, I love you. And he'd be like, all right, Danny, see you later. And uh, he didn't start telling me he loved me until like after therapy. And then he like realized like how important it was for me to like actually hear. It started like as a joke, but I was being serious. Yeah. You know, I was like, dad, do you fucking love me or what? Jesus. But yeah, man, I was depressed before it was cool. And it sounds like you were depressed before it was cool. Yeah. We're OGs. Yeah. Founders of a uh, founder. <laughs> We're depressed OGs, bro. Yeah, we would get something done, but we're too sad. Nah, dude. Everyone's <laughs> like, yo, you got to like do this show. And I'm like, I'm kind of sad though, right now. Little numb to the pain right now. It makes the show good as opposed to somebody who's like, I can't tell you how many podcasts and things I've been on. Okay, we're going to talk about mental health. Suicide. Whoa, whoa, whoa. All right, we're going to move on to something else. Hey. No, it's supposed to be cool in here. It's cool. Mental health stuff. Stuff. What do you mean? You, we just talked no one's supposed to die in here. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. People dying every day from this fucking shit. Are people dying every day? Yeah. Every day. And then hopefully, you know, they maybe that's my whole thing too. Like with this show, it's like, I just hope like one kid sees this and was like, all right, they can make a joke about like suicide and like they could kind of like destigmatize it live in front of me. And like maybe I'll think about something, another form of how to deal with my depression. An outlet. An outlet for sure. And it's like, listen, man, it's like, I know what it's like to be at the brink and uh, it's been well documented on the show. When I was going to kill myself, I had a conversation literally with myself. I had like an outer body experience. So like I was waiting for like uh, my girl at the time to go to work. I was waiting uh, until a certain time. I changed like my clothes because I saw it in a movie. Like this is the shit that was going through my head. I'm like, no, like I'll put on like a, a nicer set of clothes. Like I put underwear on because like I didn't want them to like find me naked. Like this is the type of shit I was thinking about, you know? And then I was like, all right, like I'll write this note. I'll put my dog in the crate. And uh, I used to live on a, this 11th floor apartment in New York City. And I was like, all right, I'm going to jump off of this and then we'll be done. And I, as I was taking a shower before, like I was going through the whole thing, I had like this. I was like, listen, we haven't tried like inpatient yet. Like I kept speaking to myself as we. 
I was like, we haven't done this yet. Like we haven't tried inpatient yet. And I was like, nah, fuck that. They're going to put me on medication. That's going to make me like a zombie. I don't want to do it. I just don't want to feel, I just don't want to fucking feel this anymore. You know what I mean? Panic attacks, not sleeping like four days. I didn't sleep. I was like, yo, like, I don't think I paid my, my drug dealer. And I kept thinking that he was going to come fucking kill me. Like, you know, like I was turning my lights on and off like 150 times, like locking the door and shit, like afraid to walk my dog because I thought like the government was after me. Like, this is what's fucking happening in my brain. I was like, yeah, I didn't pay my taxes last year. I'm all fucked up. So I go into uh, into Lenox Hill Hospital in New York City and they were like, do you want to kill yourself? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, okay, so immediately they bring you in the back of this room. I don't know. Have you ever been inpatient before? Mm. Yeah. So they bring in, you know, the drill. They take your fucking drawstring out of your pants and shit. They ruin me with a paranoid schizophrenic. As you could see, they didn't really have like much like division within like, you know, uh, conditions. As soon as I was in there, I was like, oh, God, I think I made a mistake. I was like, I think I, I think I should have went through with this because this is a fucking disaster. What's going on in this room right now? This guy kept waking up and saying I stole his clothes and shit. I was like, yeah, dude, I, I should I should have just did it. So I was they had me in there for like 72 hours. And the thing I love the most about that was like group sessions. Do you like group therapy, like dealing with autism? Is it hard for you to get your point across and you feel like it's just like no one's really understanding what you're saying? I don't like people. I like people, but I don't like people. Yeah, I don't like being in like large groups of people, which is crazy, though, because like, you know, if you really think about it, you probably had to deal. You obviously dealt with that the entire time while you're fucking you were playing in stadiums and 53 man rosters and shit. And you're like, I don't want to talk to any of these people. And then you got some fucking coach played fucking football 50 years ago. So he has to have a job. And it's like, hey, I need you to do this harder and more and destroy your body. And, uh, you know, hopefully we win a couple of games. Like, like coaches who were in the NFL but never play because they have the biggest chip on their shoulder. It's like, oh my God, it's like, the, yeah. Plays, but you didn't play. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I would say. I would be such a dick. I feel like it's like, yeah, all these fucking Uncle Ricos are coaches in the NFL. I mean, the reality of the situation is when you fucking nerds, any job, like anything that's done where people are getting paid to do it. I think that we as humans assume that everyone at the top or everyone that's in charge knows what's going on. And we forget like, no, these are stupid humans like us. Oh, 100%. 100%. I was always somebody who I used to think I liked working in teams, but I hate teams. I thought I could be like a good group leader. I was like, I, I just like to do my own thing. And I think it's very difficult for creative people like us. Our processes are all kind of different. Our schedules are all kind of different. I mean, you're, you seem to be very regimented. I am not. So like, I'll stay up till four o'clock in the morning, like working on the same track, like all night or like working on the same set. I'll pick something up and then do something else. It's very hard for me to start a task and finish a task because I try to do 55 things at once. Right now though, for you, is your main focus music or you're just trying to do comedy and then obviously you're a huge mental health advocate as well. But how much of this, like, like you said, you don't want to be Robert Pattinson in twilight. Do you want to be Robert Pattinson in Batman or you just want to be Robert Pattinson? I could play whatever the fuck I want to play. I want to be Dwayne Johnson, Kanye West, Kanye Johnson, Kanye Johnson. I want to be Kanye Johnson, Drake. I want to be, I mean, all three of those cats 
Kanye Johnson, Drake Pryor, Richard Pryor, all four of those people were going down paths and realized this is not what I want to be known for. Richard Pryor's, out of all of them, was probably the most, because he stayed in his job, like in the direct comedy job. He just changed his entire, you know, routine and everything like that. Yeah. I mean, before Richard Pryor, there were no comedians that came from those kind of places talking about that kind of stuff. Richard Pryor is the reason I felt comfortable talking about comedy. Because, you know, most people, oh, I grew up in a house and there were five of us. And, you know, it was really crazy when the milkman would show her, you know, like something. You're not stupid, but just, you know, like my childhood was good. So when you, Richard Pryor, talk about, well, I grew up in a brothel. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, but all of those cats, The Rock, Drake, Richard Pryor, Kanye, they got to a point where they realized this is not what I want to be known for. Let me go pursue my real dream. And I understand what that's like because you got to kill a dream to go pursue a new one. I don't know if people really get that, but like, you know, my that's a bar with leaving the NFL. Like I also had to leave my dreams of making a pro bowl. I had to leave my dreams of going to the hall of fame. I had to, I had a death in my life in 2014. His name was Charleston fives. He was like, you know, everything. Dad was like your dad, right? Yeah. And he died and it hit me as I was at his funeral and I couldn't stop crying. I was like, this man will never see me walk across the stage and get my golden jacket. He'll never meet my kids. You know, those kind of things. Right. But yeah, I had to bury a lot of dreams in order to pursue these dreams. You know, I like, because like I said, I'm not playing. I, I have no chance at going. I was watching the Super Bowl this past Super Bowl. And I just remember watching it like this is it was almost like, <laughs> you know, those this, this is your life episodes of shows. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like I was watching like these a morgue, like these are your dead dreams. You know, can you identify this body? Oh, yeah, that's the Hall of Fame dream that I thought that I was going to, you know, they showed the Hall of Fame member, the new inductees. Uh, you know, you see people winning games. I don't I don't even remember what that's like because I was not on winning team. <laughs> But there was just this voice in my head the entire time. Like, these are all the things that you gave up to fail at music and comedy. You idiot. You know. Yeah, that. But I'll tell you this, though. Coming from someone that has been doing comedy professionally for, what, uh, almost 10 years now? If you're trying, it's not. You're not failing. You know how hard it is for to get up on stage with a microphone? Uh, and fucking, obviously you do, but to do it on a regular basis and just be like, yeah, like nobody could laugh in here. I would rather do that than talk to people. Oh yeah. Comfortable on stage. Oh, for sure. But I'm saying like, I think I see it differently. Most people are nervous about like, man, no one could laugh. Whereas I'm getting on stage like, oh, I know my shit's funny because I think part of the reason I know is because I'm only talking about myself. I'm more nervous to go to a cocktail party than I am to go on stage. Yeah. I'm more nervous to do anything else than go on stage. I am more nervous to raise my kids than I am going on stage. Because if I make a mistake on stage, it's just a mistake. I make a mistake raising my kids. They could be like me. I don't want that. No, of course. But like, even for you, like, can we talk about like, you know, how relationships are hard already? Yeah. Now, you know, when I got with my fiance now, I said, listen, uh, before we do this, I got to let you know some stuff. So I got to let you know off rip what I deal with. You know, I kind of had like a disclosure moment, which was like, you know, it was kind of difficult for me, but I am who I am. I don't give a fuck at this point. Now, I've been through enough shit to like not be who I am at this point. Mm -hmm. 
You know, it's just it's in a world where everybody's trying to be like people that they're not. I'm like, yo, dude, I have like some flaws and shit or whatever, but I don't give a fuck. Like, I am who I am. I'll fix it at some point. It'd be sad for their authenticity, too. Yeah. Like, if you can't love me for me, like, I can't do it. It's not worth it. And then it's just only going to add to all the shit that makes me fucking sad every day anyway. My kid lost a godfather that way. The young daughter. Yep. Teammate of mine. This is my last season in the league. Going through all kind of episodes. And I ended up, you know, asking to be released from the team for like 10 weeks. <laughs> in the 10th week, after I threatened to kill myself, if they didn't, they were like, all right. You You're know? like, all right, we'll cut you. Yeah. <laughs> but I had a teammate of mine that was just like, in his mind, you cost me a Super Bowl. Like, your mental health cost me a Super Bowl. And this was the godfather of mine, the youngest child. And I had to sit. And listen and get berated by another man for like half an hour about how, you know, they would have been to the play. They would have won in the playoffs and won the Super Bowl if I had been so selfish. Yeah. Thanks, guys. That helps. Yeah. I. So you were just like, yeah, you're done. Like, you're not my God. You're not the Godfather of my kid anymore. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I'm not. And I paid for the dinner. How big of a (laughs) thing I felt like. Yeah, but people show their true colors, though, when you're fucking when you're down bad. His name is Russell Okun. And you're right. Like, he was somebody that I thought could be like a friend to me when I needed it. And he just shat on me when I was at my lowest. That's what I'm saying. Real people show their true colors when you're down bad. Yeah. That's how it is. I had plenty of people like that. You want to know what it is, too? It's like when you're locked up in a fucking institution, it's not that hard to pick up the phone. No. You know what I'm saying? And I, I do carry a lot of that with me now, like that I'm outside. I wish I could let some of that go. But a part of me, it, it's forgive but never forget type stuff. Like I know who called me while I was in there. Yeah, as you should. And those people I check in on every day. You know, I mean, like you said earlier, like, you know, the pain, it sucks, but that sometimes that pain is necessary to see like who's really with you. For real. Or what's really important to you. Yeah. And to, and for someone to be like, hey, we didn't go to the playoffs because you were sad. They, the fucking Cavaliers did that shit to Kevin Love, too. Nobody fucking talks about it. Kevin Love had like a panic attack in the middle of a basketball game. And like Isaiah Thomas was like, yeah, stop being a bitch. And now Isaiah Thomas is like barely in the league. And Kevin Love's like chilling <laughs> with a ring and just living life. It's in terms of especially situations like that. At first, I thought you were talking about his daddy. I was like, Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> yeah, bro. Isaiah Thomas talking wild. Wait a minute. Is that his daddy or is that a different person? No, no, it's a different person. Shit, that shows you how much I know about sports. Hey, my bad, Isaiah. I did not know. To both of y'all, I apologize. No, no, no. They're both nice. And they were both point guards. They were both small. Do you still watch, like, football, or is it, like... So I was a STEM kid. I never watched sports. Like, even when I started playing football, it was to get in shape. It was not because this is a sport I had been watching. Like, I was just trying to do something because I got kicked out of engineering camp and needed to stay out of trouble over the summer. Yeah. So, like, engineering, though. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that still something that like you kind of like do want to go back to? Like you do dabble in a little bit? Uh, it is something that I'm doing. You, you were talking about tracks earlier. Do you make music also? Yeah. So you know about audio engineers? Yes. That's pretty much what my engineering has gone to. I mean, as you know, you got to be a computer nerd to be able to do like sound modulation and mixing and production and that kind of thing. My wife always says it too. Like everything happens for a reason, you know? I mean, and she's right. Logically speaking, if there is a God, everything happens for a reason. Yes. And it's very hard because they're kind of right a lot of the time. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's very hard to admit. They're right a lot of the time. And you know, you'll have that argument and then you'll, you'll kind of be in the bathroom after and just be like, Smush. she is kind of right though. Right. It's funny. We're at the point right now where like both of us on both sides, like it'll be, you know, we'll be talking to something and then halfway through, like, you're right. You got yeah. it. You are right. Like, you're correct. You're right, too, is your therapist. It's not your girlfriend. <laughs> it's not your fiance. It's your therapist. I told my therapist she was right Tuesday and I was like, wow, I guess these therapy sessions really are work. I had never said that before. <laughs> I was like, you know what? You've got a point. Damn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was right. Your therapist was just like, yeah. And I think that's where most of this comes from. And you're like, shit, you're right. I guess. He's <laughs> like, damn. I, uh. Got his ass. <laughs> <laughs> you're driving bars today. I can't even fuck with you. <laughs> no, but it's really true, man. It's like, like those breakthrough moments in therapy. I hate when my therapist is right about me. Mm-hmm. It really is. Cause like, I always look at therapy of, I know I go in there for my health, like, you know, my mental health and I want help and shit like that. But I really do want to see like, all right, like what makes you so special? <laughs> I just saw you sitting down at your first therapy session. Impress me. Yeah, that's what I did. I literally sat down and, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, uh, way, but it was a female. And literally in my head, I was like, all right, bitch. I was like, what we got? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you got mad papers on the wall and shit. Like, you know, we're going to see how fucking good you are right now. Even real. I saw this on Amazon yesterday. Yeah, Let's- yeah. I was like, listen, not going to fucking fool me. I said, like, I'm only here because this is what my insurance covers. I'm only here because they say this is what I need to do to survive. All right. Yeah, because I don't want to go back to the room with the paranoid schizophrenic. <laughs> do you have a good relationship with your therapist now? Uh, 100%. And you want to know what was weird? As a dude, I thought it was going to be weird to have a female therapist because I was just like, she's not going to understand like what guys go through. I got a dick. You know what I mean? Like, I got a like, dick. You know, I was like, she ain't got no penis, yo. Yeah. She don't know shit about penis. You don't know what it is with this fucking child support. <laughs> do you even still watch football like for entertainment or you're just like, because you said you watched the Super Bowl. So my wife used to love watching football when she was like younger. I kind of feel bad. Like, obviously, being married to a football player has kind of altered that a little bit. But she still likes watching it, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, I went to watch the Super Bowl. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's watch the Super Bowl. Immediately when the Super Bowl came on, I was like, why, why are you doing this to yourself? I mean, I may as well have been tied to a whipping post getting lashed every play. You know, that's how it felt. But that's the last time I watched football in like four years. So can you explain to like the audience too, like what a STEM kid is? Because like people are like, I've heard you say it. Just so like exactly like what your definition or like, is there a These are the a, kids with the thick glasses and the terrible outfits that are watching anime and have great grades. Those are the STEM kids, the ones who know perfect Japanese and have never taken a class. And they could do a Rubik's cube with one hand, with one hand, blindfolded with earplugs underwater like, faster underwater. than David Blaine. We call it the Helen Keller challenge. Okay. <laughs> STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. It's pretty much a, not a pipeline, but like a, I don't want to say grooming now, but it's a grooming <laughs> process for, for kids that want to work. Okay, let me think of another word. It's a developmental program that helps children who want to pursue careers in those fields <laughs> of science, technology, engineering. I want to be an actor. Oh, that's so cute. We're going to science class. But yeah, STEM is like, I could be wrong, but I, I do think it's an after school thing. Once again, I am way out of the loop. But when I was a kid, before it was called STEM, we had 
Dapsep, D-A-P-C-E-P. Dipset? Dapsep, Detroit Area Pre-College Engineering Program. Full circle, that is the engineering program, the residential camp that I got kicked out that started my football journey. How did you get kicked out of engineering? Did you like mess up a building? Nah, this so it was a residential camp. Did you mess up a bit? <laughs> I just leaned against the science building and it broke. But uh yeah, did you like wrongly wire in an apartment, uh like a condo <laughs> complex? Did you put a zero where there should have been a one? Uh <laughs> you and Calvin Johnson, like he he got to stay. <laughs> but pretty much because that's where my scholarships were. Like I thought I was like I told you, you know, 14, 15, I was gonna be an engineer. I was gonna work at Ford or GM or Chrysler. I was at this residential engineering camp. It was like the first official day and we were in the computer lab and this kid raised his hand. It was early in the morning too. It was probably like nine. This kid raised his hand. There's like, you know, a computer lab. It's like 300 computers in the computer. Oh lab. yeah. Hell yeah. It's like maybe 30 students in the class. I was looking at porn. The teacher couldn't even introduce themselves. Hi everyone. My name is, oh, you in the back. Do you have a question? Yeah. Uh, are there going to be enough computers for everyone in the class? And there was this voice in the back of my head, like, that was a stupid question. You should slap him for wasting the teacher's time. <laughs> and I slapped him. <laughs> and so he started. Man, you really slapped him? Yeah. So how big were you at this time? Probably like 6'3", 230, 240. God damn. <laughs> yeah, he started flipping over tables, kicking Yeah, I'm sure he did. And we both got kicked out. Oh, my gosh. But only so- one of us had a $30,000 invoice, and it wasn't me. Damn, you had to pay 30. That's a $30,000 Sliz app right there. No, I'm saying no, he did. I mean, you breaking all these computers. We oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. We're sorry this happened to your son and uh, take this invoice with you. Yeah, you owe us $30,000. Be in touch. Go Lions. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's how it happened. Let me tell you something. I've been to Detroit one time. That's a tough place. Yeah, that's a tough place as somebody who like, you know, I grew up like in the suburbs and shit like it was, it was it was cool. All my friends were like Jewish, but like they lived up in the hills. And then like the Puerto Ricans and the Italians had to like live at the bottom of the hill. It was very like, what's it? What, what, where'd you grow up? Uh, Westchester, New York, you know, Yonkers. Uh, that's like where like DMX and like Jada Kiss and all of them are from. Oh, you fucking nuts. OK. Yeah. But but they, there's like a there's like another area that's like not as hood. Yeah. Yeah. No. Nah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The reason DMX is so hard. Oh, I wrote his first album. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Oh, that's Mark what it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote I wrote DMX's first album, Jay Z's, and Eminem's all in a span of three days. Nice. Yeah, but you know, yeah, ten hundred milligrams of Adderall <laughs> fed through a drip. I love how I have a second microphone in my hand. I was about to ask you what that was about. This is my reference track microphone. Okay. That I'll plug in and I'll have beats and I'll just like do like references shit. Yeah. So like I made this song a long time ago, like 10 years ago called I Got Bitches that blew up, like has like a hundred million plays on Spotify and shit. Nice. So like uh, I just found out like between like all three platforms that we qualify for a platinum uh, single. Congratulations, bro! Yeah, so I just so I just found out that I'm a I'm a platinum recording artist. That's good. A platinum recording artist and platinum writer. Yeah, I think I'm just gonna quit now. Or, or hear me out. All right, these could be the only things that leave your mouth, and more people will work with you. Oh. Classical music, huh? You know, I'm a platinum writer. Come work with me. 
That's true. Well, I don't know about a classical music artist, but yeah. I'll just be like, yeah, like, you know, it'd be good on these strings. Like if you said like, shake that ass, you know, you know what I'm saying? Hygienistic, but I'm a woman. I don't care. Shake that ass. Shake that ass. Put some reverb on that bitch. (laughs) In fact, let's try to reverse it. Let's let's take it from the top. Let's DS the shit out of it. Okay, I do have a question. Yes. What does that mean? I have no idea. Okay. Do you know? (laughs) No. All I know is that it makes my, like, I'm I'm singing, like, in a tunnel. Yeah. That's what DSer means. I'm going to look it up. What does DSer mean? See, you talk about mental health. We talk about sports and we're getting music production. That's why, dude, we're, we're a jack of all trades in this world. I think that's what more people need to. Uh, oh, a DSer. That's what it is. Gets the S. The DS is the, the shit. Are you a wrestling fan? I don't know how to answer that. Yes, but no. I stopped watching when The Rock retired. So you stopped watching when The Rock retired. Obviously, I cried that night. You cried when the, when the Rock retired? I thought I was never going to see him again. Oh, please. They pay that man so much money. That guy's going to come back and, and every two years he'll be back. But I mean, I'm talking about like, you got to remember, you know, I was a kid. Like, Oh, like, yeah, for sure, dude. Right? I'm 33. So, yeah, so the same age. of my life. No, no, no. I'm saying we're the same age. So oh, yeah. When it. Yeah, when he retired, I remember like when he went to film the Scorpion King. This was before I knew that was coming out. Right, right, right. You're just like the Rock is gone. That's all I know. The Rock is the reason why I have such a smart mouth. He's the reason why I am so like quick witted because I wanted to be like him. Who did it? I still want to be like Dwayne Johnson. I still do. I want to be the Rock so bad. And I would be like Dwayne Johnson, but I realize I'm gonna be the first me. See, the puppy gets it. Facts. He's like, this motherfucker's spitting. I'm coming back. Spitting facts. What's this man? Spitting facts. But, uh, <laughs> right? This man's cell phone number. I got a little. This guy, this the uncancelable guy. <laughs> Who's this uncancelable man that you're speaking to? That's talking about all these weird range of things. <laughs> yeah, this weird range of things. Now, but I was, uh, see, I used to flip back and forth between Nitro and Raw every night, right? Okay. That's just what me and my brother did. We were like, what's the NWO going to do tonight? What's DX going to do tonight? What's Stone Cold going to do to Vince McMahon? But I realized, though, that, you know, uh, Razor Ramon passed away. Scott Hall. Didn't know that. Like two days ago. He was one of the first people that kind of made me have confidence. Nice. Because he was just a confident motherfucker. He just oozed my cheese smell. So like he was one of those guys that actually made me like comfortable and like the one of the first times I was like role playing in my life was pretending to be Razor Ramon. And that's how I really got into like, uh, you know, filming shit and like doing like vignettes and characters and shit like that. So like I kind of like owe that like to Razor Ramon. Well, if that's the case, I will say, too, since we're paying homage, the things that I do on my stand up, The Rock is an influence. For sure. I have a bunch of different characters, not characters like I get on stage, hey, but like I'm a storyteller and I'm able to act out the characters in the story. And I'm telling you, The Rock, obviously the goat for sure. I'm going to meet him one day. And when I do, I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry so hard. But you want to know? I feel like an easy way into with The Rock is like, yeah, I play pro football. No. Nah. And, and, and like he'll stop and be like, all right, I'll talk. To you. Well, you think that? Have I told you about how, like, I, you know, I knew Kobe Bryant, like we had a relationship. No. 
I don't really talk about it because when people were asking me about it at the beginning, like right after he died, I'm like, bro, I'm not some kind of fucking ambulance chaser. I mean, I will acknowledge that we had a relationship, but we not about to sit here and have a memorial episode. But I remember when I met him, he came and spoke at our team, talked to him afterward, told him, you know, I'm looking for mentors. I don't have anybody in my life, really. Like, I don't have a dad. Those, those kind of things. He was like, well, come to my office on your next off day. I went to his office on my next off day. and. For like five minutes, I was trying to, you know, I'm Joe Bark still. I feel like I'm one of the best players to ever play my position in football. Here's my stats, blah, 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 blah. He's just sitting there like, cool. I was like, yeah, you know, and I also do music. Oh, do music too. Like, you know, and that was the first time that I realized that people are interested in like who you are, not who you think they want you to be. Wow. That's more bars. More bars. Wow. A lot of bars. It is true. Now that I think about it, I don't even know how to respond to that, to be honest. Immediately. First of all, it was like meeting myself. I'm not saying Kobe Bryant was autistic or mentally ill or anything like that, but I never met anybody that understood me so quickly, ever, except God. But God made me, so it doesn't count. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he knew who you were before that. Yeah, exactly. He did the homework. It was unreal. I mean... I don't know. I'm very thankful for the relationship. And I was very sad when he died. And I mean, you know, but that was when I learned that, like, you know, like, and it sounds super cheesy saying that you were talking earlier about cliches, like you are enough. You're more than enough. And that's why that's when I realized, like, if Kobe Bryant is trying to do all that, I don't know how much you know about like his artistic endeavors and stuff. But oh yeah, did do want a fucking Oscar, man? The guy wanted to do everything. Did children's books, movies. He wanted to do. He wanted to do everything, man. And as he showed me the plans for all this stuff, I'm like, if Kobe Bryant knows that one day he will no longer be known as Kobe Bryant, the basketball player, I can get from under this NFL thing. Now I'm gonna have to make great art. It's gonna have to be fantastic and all that kind of stuff, but. It's possible. And so because of that, the only time I really will drop an NFL thing is if I get pulled over by the police and I'm trying not to die. <laughs> Evening, officer, just getting back from practice. Sorry, I used to play in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> my, my brain. Oh, still get out of the car. Put my hands up. OK, it's a, it's a Chargers like parking ticket, like parking thing from like 2012. <laughs> Sorry, I, I used like, to oh. 2012. Hey, hey, what's up, uh, sir? We're in Michigan. Oh, this is a. Um, I play for the Detroit Chargers. Well, let me just show you this wedding ring because there's people at home that will miss me if I end up dead. 100%. Um, So uh, the last question that I will have is the relationship with your wife. Have you guys ever done couples counseling? Thought you were going to ask if we had threesomes. I was like, that's a personal question. That's off the cuff after dark. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's, that's after this. (laughs) Which half of this episode will probably end up on. Um, You said we ever done group? Like, like uh, couples therapy. Yeah. Like before. Uh, so when I proposed, um, we did marriage counseling. I and mean, it's funny at the time. I'm like, what are we doing marriage counseling for? But now I suggest it to everybody. Because if people who know each other as long as we did learn new things in marriage counseling, maybe you can learn some. About- I think it comes back to breaking down that stigma about therapy. You know, we talk about how everything's like, ah, everything's you know, 10% physical and 90% mental, but no one wants to take care of their mental. Yeah. doesn't make sense. But that being said, yes, we have. And we've done it more times too. Not necessarily like, oh, we about to get a divorce. We need counseling. But sometimes there's things I'm trying to communicate because she's not autistic. 
there's things I'm trying to communicate that she doesn't understand that my therapist works as like a, a translator and interpreter of sorts. Cause we're both big on communication. Like people will ask, you know, Oh, what, what, what's the secret? I mean, there's no secret. We communicate. We don't har- harbor things and get resentful and talk shit about each other. Like we, if there's an issue that needs to be addressed. We address it, pop it off, get it off. Yeah. And not in an angry way. No, 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 no. Yeah. Cause you know, some people shut the fuck up, bitch. Hey, Joe yeah, yeah, yeah. told me I need to communicate. Like, not like that. Like, <laughs> I slapped the shit out of you. I told you I was going to slap you. If you kept talking. You know, yeah, she did. She did hit me. She did hit me. Yeah. <laughs> Side note, my wife did once. No, I'm just no, no, no. I really do think, because that's, again, the stigma is a therapy, right? If you're going to get counseling, your relationship is in the fucking trash can. Yeah. Which is not true. Yeah. It's just Bro, not true. You see, the, the strongest people you see walking into the gym, you're not thinking like, oh, something's wrong with him. He's got to work out. You're thinking, oh, this man wants to build his muscles. He's going to the gym. That's what you should think when you see someone going to a therapist. Even though therapist offices are so like secret these days, like you don't know, I know right? It's like a cult. It's like, geez, is that a massage place? I, hmm. Let me tell you something too. Another thing, even with COVID, everybody's got a therapist now. Everybody's going to therapy now. Oh, and I do want to say this too, and I'm sure you can speak to this. Your first therapist is not always the end all be all. No, like, it's okay to realize you don't have a good fit and find somebody else. Now that being said, if you get three three people in a row that tell you your ass is bipolar and may need to get on some medicine. They don't all know each other. You- <laughs> They're not all having secret meetings. Like guys, I tried to get him, but he, he, he slipped in my fingers again. We're going to work on him. We're going to get him done. We're going to uh, get him Who, yeah, who's yeah. Just next. Like, yeah. It's- and I tell people too, like, listen, I'm in no way a fucking mental health professional, but yo, fucking I fucks with Lexapro. That's real. Hard body. Karate. That's what you're on, Lexapro? Lexapro. Uh, I take uh, lithium. Okay. Uh, I'm bipolar type 2. Okay. And then I also take uh, I take clozapan for panic disorder. The old clozapan. I take that every yeah. night. People be like, uh, you shouldn't like take that medication for so long. And then I went to my doctor and I was like, everybody that told me I shouldn't be on this medication for so long. And they were like, he was like, oh, that's cool. He's like, were any of them doctors? And I was just like, nah. He's like, okay. Do you have panic attacks when you don't take the medication? I was like, yeah, severe ones. And he was like, okay. <laughs> it's funny because I tell people that too. So I do talk about like, I realize I'm not going to call it a gift, but I am able to talk about difficult things while also bringing levity to it so it doesn't clear out a room. Uh, in that, one of the things I talk about on mental health is I'm mean, on stage is being mentally ill. And I'll never forget this dude. So I don't know how much you know about the black community. I'm as well versed as an outsider should be. So do you know what a hotep is? A hotep? No. School me. Uh, let me just look up the definition so I don't piss off any hoteps. I'm going to look it up too. Okay. Is it racist for me to look it up? No. Oh, all right. Why would it be racist for you to look up the definition? Hey, listen, hey, listen man. We live, in a, we live in a different climate these days, Joe. I have to protect myself at all times. I'll say this. To be satisfied at peace. Oh, my God. They just show, I just saw Lawrence Fishburne from fucking Boys in the Hood. It's a common greeting with people. That's a good... You know what? Lawrence Fishburne is a good example. Lawrence Fishburne from Boys in the Hood is a great a example hotel. of a <laughs> Now, that being said, everything that he was saying wasn't wrong, but there's some things Hotep said that I don't agree with. Fucking with those fucking balls. Yeah. So there were some Hotep cats. 
And, you know, hoteps are all, also big on, like, you know, being cerebral and, you know, thinking people. I do my set. It was actually, like, it was a 20-minute set. It went, no, it was a half-hour set. This is my first time headlining. Wow. And he came up to me. Hey, that was a great set, brother. That was a great set. Uh, one question. Who told you you were mentally ill? Oh. I'm like, a therapist. That a, a therapist, yeah, the therapist that went to school to study the brain and the physiology of the body and how that works for eight, nine, 12 plus years. Do you have any kind of, well, I don't prescribe to the man's level of education, but you're using the man's language right now. Right. I don't know why everybody thinks they know more than therapists. And now you got these fucking life coaches who have got no therapy school. Not all life coaches have not been to therapy class, but let's be honest. Me and you both have homeboys right now. That's like one philosophical statement away of being like, I could be a life coach. How are you oh, yeah. 33 working at McDonald's? Yeah. Well, they just watch like Gary V videos and like figure they could do it too. Gary V and Joe Rogan. Yeah. I can ask the tough questions. No, the tough question is why you still live in your mama's house. That's the tough question you need to be asking the man in the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Umar Johnson. Everyone in your shows. I'll tell. Uh, so Umar like Johnson. I will I'll consider him for sure. Yeah. And I will say, I will say this. If people knock therapy, they, uh, they've never tried it. Not, I would say a large percentage of them. And by tried, I mean, they went to one therapist and stopped going. People knock great things all the time. It's true. People knock, people knock me every day. People knock you every day. People, people knock up. taking enough water. They knock taking medicine. Okay. Not medicine. They knock taking vitamins. Right. Like, you know, everyday vitamins, fish oils, what have you. They knock exercise. People knock everything that's in existence. They knock religion. Why wouldn't they knock therapy? The reality is, though, like, it's easy to say something doesn't work. It's, and you used the word earlier, like, it takes bravery to step into these unknown realms and, like, put yourself out there. Those are the brave people. Like, not the people that just try to act like, oh, therapy, what the fuck? Nah, like the cats like you are the brave people. You're doing the hard work. It's easy for me to sit behind a keyboard and talk shit on Twitter. Yeah. Anybody can do that. I can go get my daughter and teach her how to do that. But people like you who are like confronting things that are really, you know, that happen to you, you know, and making, obviously making efforts to better yourself and help other people. Yeah, no, I, I thank you, man. Because like when I started the show, I was like, yeah, honestly, I don't really give a fuck if I'm like, I was like, money's cool, but like, is if I could just fucking help some people like in their life and in a way it helps me as well too, because like doing shows like this and talking to people like you, like you don't understand like how helpful this conversation was to me. I hope it due time. Maybe, you know, you will see, but even if you never know, but just, know, but just know though, like I'm walking away from this interview, a better person. And like, that's honestly what this show is about. My whole thing was, is like, I've seen you in interviews. So I was like, I know I'm going to get them to open up at some point. I like when people, it's weird in an interview space, right? When you're interviewing people, you want to interview people of all walks of life. You know, some people that are like, yo, I don't like people. I'm like, those are the people I want to interview. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's cool to like get another influencer on here. It's like, yeah, so like, you know, but uh, it's like, yo, if the first thing is like, I'm talking to you, it's like, yo, I don't like dudes. And I don't like talking to people. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Nice. I see it as a challenge. I really do because it helps me to understand a certain walk of life that I'm just not used to. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then now we figured out we have a lot of similarities. Mm -hmm. Some some good, some bad. And uh some of them uh you know similarities, you know. There's some similarities, you know. uh, That's all don't put good and bad labels on it. It just you know I could tell you're way more progressive 
in your thought process because I still harbor on like things are bad when I shouldn't harbor on things being bad. Yeah. It is really a spectrum. I think my life has taught me to think that way because, and I mean, I, I know I talk about it like, oh, I got kicked out of an engineering camp. And I wrote like a comedy story about it and everything. It's like six pages long. I'm practicing it right now to be able to perform. But that was the end of my life, getting kicked out of that engineering camp. That was the worst thing in my mind that could have happened. Like my future was done. Like how am I going to get engineering scholarships now? The entire engineering community is going to hear about this. My life is over. I thought it was terrible. Talking to you today, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because of what it led to which is why I'm careful about putting labels on things. This is so full of bars. <laughs> this entire episode is bar heavy. And, you know, I, I, I always try to end this epi- like episodes with this question as well, too. It's, but I feel like you're way too deep for this question. I'm going to ask it anyway, but I feel like the shit's just going to get like rolled up and like smoked in my face. Also, do you smoke every day? Multiple times. My guy. Yeah. Atta boy. Atta boy, Joe. We're going to Disney in a couple weeks. And I'm getting super lifted. No, we're going to the Disney in Florida because we're going to that Star Wars hotel. This is how big of a nerd I am. I don't know. Nah, dude. Have you been on the Star Wars ride there yet? No, I haven't. The only thing I've done is made a lightsaber. But we're going to the hotel in Florida, the the galactic spaceship or whatever. I I know. We're doing it all. And I'm taking business cards because when I saw the prices, <laughs> Brianna is my wife. I was like, originally, I was really excited to go to the Star Wars thing. But now I'm starting to see it as possibly a networking opportunity. <laughs> hey, how's it going? May the force be with you. Joe Biden's yeah. going to take a card. Thank you. It's uh, like, hey, uh, I need to be somewhere in this business infrastructure, please. I have an engineering background. Please. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, please. No, I don't have a degree, but just. Uh, uh, no, 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 no. You're like, you're a life coach. I'm a life coach. Really? I've been looking for a life coach. Fuck, I'm not a life coach. So are, are you going to go to Disney, though? Like the yeah. entire thing? Yeah, we're going to. Make well, sure you get on the fucking Star Wars ride. It will yeah. knock your fucking socks off. If I'm being 100% honest with you, that's one of the reasons I uh, was waiting for the ride to go to the hotel, because I know we'd be able to jump the line. Oh, my God. Make sure your phone is out. Make sure that you get that fucking space on that goddamn I'll, I'll ride. I just try to go twice. Do it. it I'm telling you, it's going to blow your fucking mind. All right. And then if you can, uh, your wife's name, Brianna, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe if Brianna can watch a couple of kids, maybe sneak off and just a little bit. And, and then if you can. <laughs> no, no. So it's just going to be me and her. That's how big oh, it is. So you're I definitely am. getting high. No, because it's in Florida. I don't know. Oh, no, no. Listen, listen, listen. I, I don't know. Florida is so like, hey, you could do anything you want here except like smoke marijuana and like gamble, which is like t- two of the things that are so Florida that it's outrageous. I'll just be drinking. Yeah, that was the other thing. At first, I was a little sad. I was like, man, I'm not going to have weed for a couple of days. But then I was like, one, I think we all know this. You take a little break and you get back on it. It hits you like a ton of bricks. In a oh, good- yeah. You feel like you're in high school again. And then two, I have a reason to drink. What <laughs> <laughs> other tequila, please? I'm yeah. sober from marijuana. Yeah, I'm sober from marijuana. If you live your life like relatively like blazed, you can't go on the Star Wars ride not blazed. That's not true. Oh, Joe, I really want to agree with you here. I really want to. You'll have fun. Actually, okay, I'm not going to say that's not true. This ain't my last. Let me put it like this. This ain't my last time going to stop. There we go. Do not give up. I will be going to the one in California, and I will be. Spoken like a true Jedi. Yeah, well, I'm a Sith Lord. So you are a Sith Lord. Look at that. 
See, you identify with the bad guys. And <laughs> yeah, fuck Jedi's. I think Sith slap harder for sure. Yeah. Did you make that? Mm-hmm. Well, not personally. There was a website called Saber Forge, and I went and ordered it the custom from their from their website. But yeah, I got a bunch of lightsabers. I got these lightsabers over there. Yeah, you know what, Joe? There. I like you. I like you a lot, actually. <laughs> I, I'm happy that this worked out. The last question that I do ask is, are you happy today? And you could just say yes or no, or you can give me another fucking bar if you want to. I don't know, because the day's not over. But no, I'm just playing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is a good conversation. I am happy today. I love it. There yes. Some yes. It's just like, what the fuck am I doing here? Yes. You know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> wow. So it's been a fucking pleasure, my man. I really hope we get to do this again. If you ever want me to come on something of yours, feel free to reach out. Oh, I've been thinking about starting a podcast, but I don't know. Because it's like, there's people like you that have them, like podcasts that I feel like I would do. And I'm like, I would just rather appear on other people's podcasts. No, listen to my fucking podcast. Yeah. You know what's different though? Like the money. What do you mean? You can make money doing this. I mean, yeah, but I could also make money doing music and comedy. Yeah, but you can make money doing music, comedy, and podcasting. That's true. And then you can go to Star Wars three times. But then it becomes <laughs> it's not about the money. In the words of the Joker, it's not about the money. It's about sending sending a message. Yeah, and that's what it's about for me. Like Somebody was asking me that the other day. It was a podcast I was on. Like, so, you know, do you do you try to game the algorithm to get your songs listens? And I'm like, no, I try to make good music so that people will listen to. And when people start coming to it, they won't say, well, what the fuck is this shit? They'll say, oh, I want to hear more. Yes. You know, it's truth. That's the truth. But, but you know, uh, listen, I would want to go to Star Wars three times. Definitely going to go three times. Maybe 100%. maybe 15. I love it. I love it. My brother-in-law is like a huge Star Wars, like huge fanatic, huge, gigantic. He went on the ride and he cried. So I'm just letting you know. Enjoy. I have a lightsaber that I built at Disney. Didn't go by myself. That's why I didn't want to go on the ride because I wanted to wait to go with someone. But this is when I was, uh, I was visiting California for something. I decided to stop. Built a lightsaber. First time it cut on, I cried. Like I'm, It was very subtle, but I was like, People don't know. <sighs> this is the dream. Like it's amazing to be passionate about things. Yeah. Be passionate about things. Anyone that's listening, be patch, find something, be fucking passionate about it. Unless it's, you know, bad stuff. That's true. Cause I do I mean, I don't cry all the time, but when people tell me like I'd be crying. Oh, I heard your interview and it really helped. It felt great to be heard. It felt great to be seen. I cry a lot. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Embrace that shit. Like when people come to you and it's like, yo, like your fucking story, like really fucking fucking like fucking help me, bro. Yeah, no, 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 no. With that, like I'll be like, yeah, you know, it's my pleasure and we'll have a conversation. But then later on, I will walk away and like go in the bathroom and cry because I just have this sense that like, you know, I mean, you hear a person share their pain with you and you know, they're just one person out of the hundreds of thousands that you're around every day. For sure. Feel bad for everybody. Yeah, dude. I had a similar thing. Like I did a, a like a fan meet and greet like during COVID. I had like a whole bunch of like leftover merch and shit. You probably but, uh, big tears. It was during COVID too. 
so like it was during covid and i was like yeah I, I remember saying to my fiance i was like yeah like what if like nobody comes and shit or whatever and mad people came bro nice and i just wanted to fucking cry as soon as everybody left i was like all right guys see you later like, <laughs> you know what i'm saying that's like, good yeah, though. It, that means it touched your heart it touched my fucking heart bro and it, i'm telling you your story you know seeing what you've come back from and and seeing how you know I, listen i just spoke to you for two hours and like i said like this is i'm telling you this is an interview that i'm going to come back and think about all the time it was so enlightening to hear your just how your fucking brain works bro that was the thing I was most excited about is like, I need to see how Joe Barksdale's fucking brain works because I can't get a read on this guy and I'm going to have to feel it. And I felt it. So you made me feel today, Joe. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Where can they find your music? Where can they find you on YouTube? All those fucking goods. This, you can just Google Joe Barksdale, uh, Joe Barksdale music. Um, Joe, Joe, Joe Barksdale.com. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at JBDale72. I'm on Facebook, Joe Barksdale. You can send me an email at info at josephbarksdale.com or DM me on any of those platforms. And I have the YouTube tech review channel. Love that. I watched like nine, like nine of them today. Uh, what's, what's your newest single? Like, let's be honest. People's reviews are too long on YouTube, right? Yeah, yeah. And anything I see with like chapters and like mad minutes, I'm like, I'm good, dude. Just open it and fucking show me how it works. Yeah, and tell me if it's worth it. Yeah, like I, I watched you open the fold. I was like, this is nice. Now I don't want to fold. <laughs> Damn, you gonna make me go? Okay, so you didn't see the episode where I was like, guys, I'm done with the unboxings. This is incredible. I did watch it, and you're like, I'm gonna do it off of the camera, and I'm gonna do this. Yeah, but I am going to go back to do it. Like, so I got the I got the S22 Ultra somewhere. I got to do a review for that. But like the next phone I get and that kind of thing, I will do an unboxing again. Do an unboxing because we need more unboxers like you in the world. That's real. I'm going to shoot it like this. Like, it'll just be at this angle because I got the microphone now. So I have better audio. You're rocking and rolling, dude. I'm telling you, you got a new friend in me, by the way. I appreciate it. Here, I said remember. Absolutely. And uh, listen, do you have a single out now? Yeah, it's called Alone. No. <laughs> uh, that was the first thing. It's called Alone. Don't talk to me if you're a guy. But it's called I Need Love. It's a song about, I mean, obviously, you're going to interpret, you're going to interpret, you know, the art how you can. The basis of it, the core of it is just that human need to be loved and to love. You know, you we all want to be loved. We all want to love others. We want to understand and be understood. So that's what the that's what the song's about. All right, and that's available on Spotify. That's available Apple on Music. Spotify, Apple Music. You know, the Bootleg Man. I'm not that popular. The Bootleg Man doesn't have it yet. So no, 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 not yet. But he will though. YouTube, and I'll buy three copies of it. And there's an Omari album too, a Kanye West tribute album. I dropped it before the Genius documentary was even like teased so don't call me a yeah don't call me a uh listen i got i got a kanye uh, 808s and heartbreaks big part of my life dude yeah. i was here like i said i like kanye before everybody else oh right? i'm interested to hear what you think about that album there which one don which one amari the one that i dropped uh that was a tribute to kanye because it's not just it's not me rapping it's not oh, me no, i'm gonna listen i'm gonna listen uh, immediately Oh, and I dropped a Star Wars project, too, called uh, The Kyber Tapes. 
Three PC that ass. A brilliant voice actor called uh, his name is Kevin Cabral. Dope, dope. You just got to save like sixteen bars for me, and I, and I'll do like a like a semi sexual like Star Wars rap for sure. That's what I was doing uh, before I got on this call, actually. But if you uh, want to work together, I'd love to work together. I, oh, I, have you seen any of my work? No. Wait till you see it. What's I got to do with working together? You know, no, I, I, no, I'm saying we're going to have a lot of fun. Oh, we're going to have fun. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think I was saying? I thought you were saying like, no, you don't want to work with this. I'm oh, like, no. no, 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 no. Uh, I'm going to send you a link after this. Okay. Yeah. I, I sent you my number. Let's definitely work because if I'm being hundred percent honest with you, it's too many musical artists that talk about it, wanting to do shit. And then it takes like 30 years to write one mediocre song. I'm not talking about anyone in particular. Demi Lovato. <laughs> so isn't she the one that wrote, um, baby, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Yeah, I think so. My oldest daughter, her name is Kennedy. So you know how the song starts. I'm out here looking like revenge. Yeah. My daughter has this little Kindle tablet. We put like little educational games and stuff on there for her, but she can also record herself a uh, video. <laughs> so I'm looking at the videos and you just see her in the car. So I'm out here looking like a bitch. I'm, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, those are not the one. No, I couldn't even be mad. I couldn't I was, even it was hilarious. I would, I would, the first thing I would do is I would send it to myself and save it in a fucking golden hard drive. That's what we're trying to do right now. I think the way I think it uploads all to the Amazon cloud. So oh, I'm about to log dude. into their account and download. Yeah, you, it, it has to be like that. a way to get a micro SD on that. And I'm like, dude, NFT the shit out of that. You know what? Worst case scenario, I would just record it on my phone. Like, oh, bootleg man yourself. You're going to be a bootleg man yourself. I'm mad yeah, man looking like a bitch. That's a bar, too. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's another song, Don't Hate Me Cause I'm Beautiful. Don't hit me cause I'm beautiful. I'm like, people don't think you at home get beat. Like, please stop with these little remixes. It's uh yeah, the, like the principal. It's just like, hey, like uh, you know, everything's good. She wrote a song called I'm out here looking like a bitch, don't hit me. <laughs> Where is she getting these that. lyrics from, sir? Huh? I said, Where is she getting these lyrics from? I talked to my wife about that. I was dropping M-bombs. This was like a couple months ago. And I'm like, can you imagine like kids go to school, start dropping the M-bombs? Excuse me, Mr. Barkstell. We know it's Black History Month, but listen. <laughs> you just go to, I don't know where she got it from. I don't know where she heard that from. You hear the rap music blasting in my car. I don't know where the fuck she, fuck all these, I'll kill everybody in this bitch. Whoa. Y'all don't know where she heard that from. It's like one of those movies where you can hear the music. It's like, bro, dum, dum, dum. You can hear it like in your car and it turns off and you get out. Like the angriest rap. Fuck everybody. Fuck. Like old school Tyler, the creator, angry rap. Like I'm a fucking walking paradox. Just turns off. You're like, hey, what's up? Talk about raping Jesus. I don't hey, think you should listen hey, to the car with your kids. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know where she got this from. But Joe, <laughs> thanks, again, thanks again, dude. I could stay on here for like another three hours. But thank you so much for everything, man. I appreciate you taking the time out. Everybody, go check out all of Joe's work. Like he said, he's got a Kanye West tribute album, Star Wars tribute album. He's got his new single out. Uh, he's got his old single out that I love a lot called Black Magic, which is fantastic. Uh, go check all that stuff out. Joe, again, I think I love you. Oh, yeah. We're going to be working together. You got my 100%. number in the chat, so let's work. I got it.
I got it. I'm going to read it right now out in front of everyone. Uh, oh, is this your social security next to it? Let me start with that. That's uh, fine. Send your credit card number too. I know, I know you don't want to talk about the NFL, but I'm sure you got something left over. All right. But <laughs> Did I mention I'm a Nigerian prince? If you send me a million dollars today, I can say I'll help you get out of jail. All right. <laughs> Thanks again, man. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Off the Cuff, presented to you by 101 Life. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and send us some love with a review. And don't forget, we're all in this together and you're never alone. Peace. Fate, entertainment. Ah!